Monday, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast. Over the weekend, bowl season officially got started in the Sun Belt with Troy and Southern Miss in action. Plus, later today, Marshall will square off with UConn in the Myrtle Beach Bowl. In today's episode, we'll preview Wednesday's RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl with the help of two top shelf guests. ESPN analyst Roddy Jones and first team All Sun Belt running back LaDamian Webb will stop by throughout the episode to talk about the matchup and the new level of success that South Alabama has risen to this season. This matchup, Caden, it's going to feature the South Alabama Jaguars facing the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers in the final of three Sun Belt versus CUSA matchups. Caden, we have two of the best offensive attacks in the group of five squaring off another Sun Belt versus Conference USA matchup. I'm excited to see the quarterbacks in this game. What has you most excited about this matchup? I think this is, I'm a little biased and I'm trying not to be with all of these bowl games, but this is truly one that I'm probably the most excited about that doesn't really involve conference champions. When you look at all of the bowls that are going to be on display this month and next month, I think a lot of it is headlined by that championship power. Only so many teams can play in these conference championship games, but out of the teams that weren't able to play in conference championships or who are right there, these two teams can stack up against any other teams. You talked about the quarterback play. That's going to be huge in that one. The offense of both of these teams is super high powered. So very excited for this matchup. I think just the talent across the board on both teams and the system that both of these offenses run specifically is going to make this a great watch. Okay, no, nothing wrong with being a little bit biased in this one. This is a South Alabama team. You called your shot very early on this year. They've looked good. They're five points away from being undefeated this season, so they've certainly played well. And we wanted to bring on some special guests in this episode to talk about the Jags as well as Western Kentucky. And our first guest on today's New Orleans Bowl preview episode is ESPN analyst Roddy Jones. Roddy was a former four-year standout for Georgia Tech from 2008 to 2011. And during his career, he broke numerous school records while saving some of his best performances for big games, including a legendary 212-yard performance at arch-rival Georgia in 2008. Now, Roddy serves as a game analyst for ESPN, regularly appearing on some of the network's top games. In this interview, Roddy's going to talk a lot about the offenses for both of these sides. He even threw in a couple of his favorite Drake songs and even gave us some thoughts on uh, the hiring of Brent Key at Georgia Tech. You're really going to enjoy this interview with ESPN analyst Roddy Jones. Really excited to have ESPN analyst Roddy Jones on the podcast. Roddy, how you doing this morning? I am fantastic, guys. Appreciate you having me. Sorry I'm sweaty, but uh, but I appreciate you squeezing me in. Hey, big time flex coming to us from a gym, getting your early work in. You got to when you have time. Uh, and Roddy, I, we'll jump right in here. I wanted to ask you about the quarterback matchup in this game. It could be electric. You've got Austin Reed for Western Kentucky, Carter Bradley uh, for South Alabama, expecting quite the quarterback showcase in this game. Yeah, I think it's one of the best quarterback matchups in the entire country in terms of bowl season. Um, you look at Austin Reed and really what, what Tyson Helton has done there at Western Kentucky has been fantastic because for the early part of the season, they were kind of struggling a little bit offensively and then really caught fire. But the success that they've had, despite losing their offensive coordinator, despite losing their quarterback, has been really impressive with, with Bailey Zappi and Zach Kitley leaving. But Austin Reed steps in. He's one of the top passers in the country. 
And then on the other side with Carter Bradley, he's got an excellent group of receivers. Like you guys know, he's got an excellent running back. This dude has as much arm talent as just about anybody in the country, this side of Caleb Williams. I mean, the way the ball comes out of his hand, the way he transfers his weight with his lower half to put power behind the football, it's really impressive. So I love the quarterback matchup. And I'm excited that, that, that we got this game because of those two guys. And one of the highlights of this game, Roddy, is obviously going to be that Western Kentucky offense with your football knowledge with you being a student of the game can you pull back the curtain a little bit and kind of explain to the people what makes this offense so hard to stop because a lot of people the coaches at home who might just be armchair coaches see the team that's throwing the ball every play it's like oh that's easy to stop you know what they're going to do every play could you just tell the people what makes this offense so hard to stop yeah, it's it's a lot of it's a lot of the stuff that made Mike Leach successful his whole career with the air raid. It's about timing, space, and repetitions, and, and accuracy. And when you have an accurate quarterback, they they probably have like fifteen plays, passing plays. They just rep those plays over and over and over against every coverage, against every front, against every leverage. And, and when you do that, you're you're just completely in sync. So it's about accuracy and being on the same page from the quarterback position. And like I said, Tyson Helton has been able to find over and over guys that are innately accurate. He sort of kept those air raid principles with Zach Kitley's departure. Uh, he's kept those in the offense. And, and then when you have receivers that, that have a knowledge of the game and a feel of space and leverage to get open, it, it makes it almost impossible to stop. So it's very frustrating. You kind of have to disrupt the timing of these routes, anticipate, mix up coverages, pre-snap looks, don't match post-snap pictures. Uh, but other like, uh, but they've ref those too. So, so it also, it also comes down to execution. Meanwhile, on the other side of the ball, Roddy, you've got a South Alabama defense. They have a great secondary. They're really good up front. Uh, what is your favorite part of that defense and what has stood out to you most? You saw them in person during the regular season and then now watching them a second time on film here at the end of the year. I think it's how well coached they are. They can be incredibly multiple in their fronts with the looks, which can mess up run blocking and, and can mess up uh, can mess up pass protection pictures, and it really forces you to be on the same page. Now, against Western Kentucky, they're going to like to get the ball out quick for the majority of the game. So, how can you affect? How can you affect Austin Reed with that stuff when he's getting the ball out quick? Is going to be the big question. But I just love what Kane Womack has done. I mean, I played at Georgia Tech when his dad Dave was there, so Kane was around the program as a young coach, and, and you could see from the very beginning that this guy was destined to be a head coach. And what he and Corey Batune have done with that defense has been incredible I mean you mentioned they're just really really solid at all three levels with some transfer guys some guys that have been in the program uh and, and just overall a lot of a lot of talent now South Alabama running back LaDamian Webb is going to be a huge part of this matchup and we were thankful to have him on the podcast as a part of this episode and talk to him some what makes him special and what kind of impact do you see him having on this game so I am I am really excited to see LaDamian Webb. We did not see him very much in the first matchup. We had them against Troy. He was banged up, didn't play a lot in that game. But I think, first of all, he's a short king, much like myself. Uh, so so I stand a short king. Uh, but, but overall, I think the biggest thing is his contact balance and his competitiveness. The thing that I want as a running back is a running back that hates to be tackled. And that guy hates to be tackled. So first and foremost, do you have that? And then do you have the ability with the balance through contact, with the vision to be able to put your foot in, and the quickness to be able to see it, put your foot in the ground and, and get to the hole? And he has all of that. But, but I think it starts first and foremost with the competitiveness and then the balance through contact. When you've got those two things as a running back, 
everything else is sort of gravy because, you know, you, you, you can make things right by being able to break tackles. And LaDamian Webb certainly does that. He's got a really good offensive line, too. I don't want to take away from them at all. But but LaDamian Webb is sort of the straw that stirs the drink. And honestly, you know, with a lot of these teams that have a lot of success throwing the ball, the run game is sometimes used as a get out of jail free card. You get in a third and long and, and you can hand the ball off in a down and distance that you don't necessarily see runs. And it gets you to either a first down or a fourth and short where you can go for it. And it kind of bails you out a little bit. You've seen it with TCU a lot. USC does it a lot. And LaDamian Webb allows South Alabama to do it a lot, too. Yeah, absolutely. He's been really good this year. And we asked him if he would have made a difference had he been fully healthy in that Troy-South Alabama game earlier this year. Roddy, you called that game. Go ahead and be the deciding vote on that. If LaDamian had been at full health, could that scoreline have been different? It definitely could have. Uh, I, I thought I thought Troy was the better team for most of the game. I thought Troy controlled the game uh, mainly with their defense. Uh, but could it have made a difference? Sure. Like, because it, it only, in games like that, it only takes one play. So, so if, if you're able to hit that one play, it was a short week. It was sort of a weird week. Um, it was the biggest game in South Alabama history at home. So there was a lot of pressure around it. And I thought Troy played like the team that didn't have any pressure and South Alabama sort of played tight. Like there was that pressure on them, but yeah, maybe. So I'll split the middle and keep it a tie. I like that. I like that answer. Uh, let's talk about another guy who's going to be a huge weapon in this game. Malachi Corley or Corley rather, um, you know, he's a dominant wide receiver one for Western Kentucky, uh, almost 1200 yards this season. What makes him such a special wide receiver on the outside? Well, again, I, I think I think it's a lot of the same stuff that you have out of the running back position. It's competitiveness first and foremost. It's strength through contact down the field, willingness to win the football, and then ball skills. Like those are the things that at receiver that if you have, you can figure out ways to be successful. Add in speed, add in quickness, and then that takes you to being a thousand yard receiver. Uh, but I think overall, when you look at him, it's all of those things sort of put together. And he is an issue at all three levels for defenses. Um, and then when you add in the accuracy of a quarterback that can put the ball in places that are tough to defend, then I think you, you get the success that Western Kentucky has. It's never just one thing, but in terms of receivers, like he's got, he's got pretty much everything that you ask for out of a guy when the ball's in the air. Now, Roddy, to get into the important nitty-gritty details of this interview, a lot of people saw your opening broadcast introduction of Drake May where you referenced a ton of different Drake songs <laughs> when they were playing Virginia. Me and Noah definitely enjoyed that. You had a lot of discreet references, so I can tell you are a Drake fan. I'm a Drake fan as well. What's your go-to Drake song? You're in the gym right now. Maybe if you're working out, what's your go-to Drake song? And can we get your thoughts on the new Her Loss album with him and 21 Savage? So I'm a big fan of Her Loss. That's the one that I've got playing pretty consistently right now. Um, uh, no BS is on Back Outside Boys. You know, it's, it's not a great workout album, but it's got a couple of bangers that if you pick them out, you can, you can get it on there. I would say in the gym, though, um, you're probably going more like headlines. Um, you know, we're going hyfer, uh, uh, hyfr. We're going stuff like that if we're in the gym trying to get after a little bit. Well, I got to admit, I've never been much of a Drake fan. Caden got me into her loss and some of those songs you just mentioned. So I'm starting to become a little bit more of a fan. Uh, let's end this interview by talking about your alma mater a little bit. Uh, some big coaching news. They just named Brent Key the uh, the full time head coach at Georgia Tech. Roddy just wanted to get your uh, thoughts on that hire. 
So, so I, I, I love the hire. Um, I think that so often we overthink these things. You look for, for certain things out of a coach and forget that there are certain things that you're taking a risk on. Uh, Willie Fritz was rumored to get the job. And I think Willie Fritz would, would, could have done a great job. He's done a great job everywhere he's been. But Willie Fritz has the, the benefit of Willie Fritz is that he's an established head coach, but he has to learn Georgia Tech. He has to learn Atlanta. He has to learn the alumni base. He has to learn the academic restrictions. There's a lot of stuff that he still has to learn and then figure out how to be successful outside of that. With Brent Key, he knows Atlanta. He knows the, the academics. He knows the alumni base. He knows the institute and he knows what it's about and he loves it already. So you don't have to learn any of that stuff. All he has to learn is how to be a head coach. And so which one of those is more of a risk? And I've been telling Georgia Tech fans, like, they're equally risky, to be honest with you, especially when you're talking about competing at the top. So when you look at the way Georgia Tech played down the stretch, especially defensively, and I know Jeff Collins was known as a defensive guy, but that defense was much better when Jeff Collins left. It was a top four or five defense in the ACC the last five games of the season. The defensive line played extremely well. That secondary is as big a secondary as, the, as there is in the league, and they played really physically. And I think you have to give a lot of that, that credit to Brent Key. He's a guy that came up under Nick Saban. Before that, George O'Leary. So there's a no-nonsense, no-BS approach. He is about ball. And the problems that Georgia Tech had, they were addressed immediately once he got hired. Now, they, now other problems sprouted up, but that's part of it. Like you fix the problem that you have, and then another problem comes, and then you fix that. And eventually you get to the point where you're a good football team. So I really like to hire. He's galvanized the fan base. I think all of the alums, like myself, are excited to have one of us in charge. Um, and I hope Georgia Tech fans get on board with it because I, uh, I think the ACC is in a place right now where you can have a team move up very quickly because everybody is sort of going through a period of transition. Well, I'm sure that would certainly be something that you and West Durham would like to see, kind of get Georgia Tech back to, you know, where it was during your playing days. Roddy, thanks so much for taking a little bit of time. Looking forward to hearing you and Wes and, and Taylor on the call in New Orleans and uh, definitely wish you guys best of luck. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks for being flexible with me. I'm sorry we had to juggle this thing a couple of times. You guys do a great job. Appreciate it. How much fun was that? It's always great to get with someone who can really talk some football at a very detailed level. That's something Roddy Jones definitely brings to any conversation. Oh, no, it's very clear that Roddy is both a student of the game and a student of the rap game. Great talking to him and hearing his perspective on not only Drake, but this game. And you can really tell that he's watched this film. He does his work and very excited to hear him not only watch this game along with us when we watch it, but call it and hear his perspective while it's going in live action. Well, one of the big things he talked about was the quarterback matchup in this game. And Caden, we'll jump into previewing that quarterback matchup. He said this could be one of the best matchups during bowl season of two really good quarterbacks. South Alabama quarterback Carter Bradley. We've talked to him on the podcast this year. Western Kentucky, Austin Reed, who I have a special place in my heart, having known him before he was something at the Division II level. Uh, but, Kane, let's talk about Carter Bradley first. He has been one of the best quarterbacks in the Sunbelt Conference this year, thrown for nearly 3,000 yards. He'll go over that plateau, barring injury in this game. 25 passing touchdowns to just 10 interceptions, 65% completion percentage. Kane, he's had seven games with three or more touchdowns, and in his last three games, he saved his best for last 10 touchdowns during that span. He is playing really well at the end of the year. Yeah, and first of all, I do want to give my flowers to both of these quarterbacks, really for just their come up and their journey. You talk about 
the Division II level having to come out of that. We talked to Carter about him going from a highly touted high school recruit to having to go through his own journey and jump from one school to another. So really shout out to both of these guys for making the most of their quarterback journeys, embarking on it, and now being able to display that on a very big stage. But you talk about Carter, a guy that I always believed in heading into the season just from what he did at Toledo. I thought his game would be able to transfer it to the Sunbelt level. And I think we couldn't have imagined it transitioning the way it has. He has weapons out wide. He has a weapon in the backfield. And he's leaned into those and really executed this offense at the highest clip I think you can when you look at the talent he has. And I think when you look at him versus um, his Western Kentucky defense, sorry, this is a defense that's kind of been vulnerable. They've been vulnerable to big plays. They've been vulnerable to explosive plays. And I think he will have the opportunity in this one, especially depending on how many possessions he has in this game, to do some great things against this team and really do some damage to this defense. We've seen worse offenses do greater damages to this defense throughout this season. And I think Carter is going to be in that same space. And I think when you look at his individual matchup with Austin Reed, obviously Austin Reed is one of the top passers in the nation when you look statistically into the offense they run and everything that he does. But I think where Carter might have the edge on him is you talked about his play down the stretch. The last couple games of the season, Carter Bradley was electric and he played his best ball in the second half of those games. In the fourth quarter of those games, a lot of those touchdowns came in. And that's why his team won the table and won five straight games to end the season. You really didn't see Western Kentucky at times always be able to close games out like that. But Carter Bradley, I think his, his skill and the, the attribute that he has that's going to maybe give this team an edge in this game is his ability to come back, to not blink when it's tied, when it's in the fourth quarter, when it's the second half. I think he him running this offense in the fourth quarter, in the second half, with the confidence he has might be a key and a little bit of edge that he has over Austin Reed in this matchup. Hey, I thought it was really interesting to hear Roddy Jones talk about Carter Bradley's arm talent. He said that you know he is right up there with some of the best quarterbacks in the country. He certainly is... We learned earlier on in the season, grew up around an NFL locker room. He's he, he knows how to prepare for these games, expect Carter to have a big performance. On the other side of the football, you've got Austin Reed, the former Division II quarterback at the University of West Florida. He announced about two weeks ago that he was entering the transfer portal, but then earlier this week he announced with a great social media video, Caden, if you haven't seen, he came out in like a red sports car and says, I'm back. Uh, but he's been one of the nation's top passers this season, over 4,200 yards second only to Washington's Michael Penix Jr., who arguably should have been in New York at the Heisman ceremony. Um, This was the fourth, he's been fourth in the NCAA this year with 37 passing touchdowns. The only two quarterbacks he actually trails, two Heisman finalists, Caleb Williams and C.J. Stroud. He has 15 touchdowns over his last five games. And oh, by the way, he also leads the team in rushing touchdowns with nine this year. Austin Reed has been one of the best quarterbacks in Division I this year. Have to give a shout out to Austin for putting his name in the transfer portal, kind of leveraging it, it looked like, and then coming back to Western Kentucky with an NIL deal. He's clearly both smart on and off the field. And this is a Western Kentucky squad that I played last year in a bowl game, and I never thought I'd see the offense run it high as a level as it was with Bailey Zappi at the helm. But then Austin Reed comes in and does the same exact thing and picks up right where he carried off. I mean, we talked to it with Roddy. This offense is really cerebral, and it's really about the accuracy of your quarterback. And he's checked both of those boxes all season long. He doesn't discriminate with who he throws the ball to. If you're open, if you have the right leverage, if you're in a position to make a play, he's going to throw it to you and make sure he gets it on time and on target. And then even when he's off script and off target and outside of the pocket, he makes some things work with his legs. He can find some open guys downfield if he's given more time. And he's simply just one of the most dangerous quarterbacks in the country, I think. 
him being able to push the ball downfield and dictate the pace of this game and really be able to convert third downs and be successful on those early downs is obviously going to be a huge part of this game when you look at this offense and what they've done all year. He's the engine of it. He's the heart and soul of it. And he's burned a lot of teams with that arm this year. And we'll be looking to do the same thing against this elite stout South Alabama defense, which will also be one of the better units he's faced this year too. This has been a really good Western Kentucky offense for many years, Kane. I know you have fond memories of that Western Kentucky offense. Uh, we'll talk about that more later on in this episode. But, Kane, we had another guest on this episode. Go ahead and introduce him. Oh, man, super excited to get this guy on here. Out of all of the players we've been able to talk about in the conference this year and not have on, this is definitely a bucket list guy that we had to check off established himself as arguably, maybe not arguably, the best running back in the conference. It's South Alabama running back LaDamian Webb. He's been playing huge for this team as a first-team all-conference selection. And when it comes to the position and having an impact on this game, especially when we talk about all the weapons out wide, the quarterback play, the running back play could be a major factor in it. And who could be a better catalyst than a guy like LaDamian Webb? We're happy to be joined by one of the best running backs in the conference, maybe the country as well. One of our favorite players for me and Noah to watch this season. It's none other than South Alabama running back LaDamian Webb. How you doing, LaDamian? Doing good. How you doing? We're doing great. We're happy to have you. So let's just talk about your journey first. You were a JUCO standout, then you go to Florida State, then you find your way at South Alabama. Can you just tell us about your football journey, really, from high school to you ending up at South Alabama? Mm, it was, I mean, it was a bumpy one, you know, but it all panned out good, you know, one of different in a couple different places, but, you know, I'm happy to be here, and I'm glad my turn went the way it did. Now, LaDamian, during that journey, is there something that, that maybe you can take away from that journey, something that you've learned that now, you know, moving on into the rest of your life once football is done, that you would say, hey, I really learned during that bumpy journey? I would say really, like, you know, taking advantage of, like, the opportunities you have because you don't really get them back once they're gone. So, you know, just enjoy them while you can. Yeah, I think that's just a great message for football and life. Uh, LaDamian, we talked with your teammate Carter earlier this year. He told us about why he chose South Alabama. He talked about how special the place was, the people, the coaches, the players. Um, you were new to this team as well this year. Why did you choose to come or why did you choose to come to South Alabama? And then ultimately now choosing, as you announced a couple days ago, that now you'll be returning again next season. Yeah, um, I felt it was a, you know, perfect place for me. You know, the people are great here, the community and the culture, you know, they're going to try to put you in a position to win and just like better yourself. And, and like, you know, the, te the team, our team here, like, it's just unbelievable. And it's like everybody around here, like you like and want to be around. So, yeah, that's why. Damian, you have a lot of great games that you put on great performances in this season. And I think my personal favorite and probably yours, too, is the Georgia Southern game. You had an absolutely monster performance with 247 yards and four touchdowns. And I was curious, have you ever had a game like that? And I think the more impressive part of that as well is just your team was down and Georgia Southern obviously throws the ball a ton, but they decided to put the ball in your hands and really have you lead that comeback. What was it like to have that faith in you in that game and really all season? And have you had a breakout performance like that before? Um, really not in college. I haven't had one like that before, but, you know, it's a great feeling, you know, any way you can help your teammates, you know, it's always a great feeling. And it's just like for them to put it in my hand, you know, kind of like a, a great opportunity just to better myself and help my teammates. So it was one of the better opportunities I had in my life. Well, Damien, I need you to settle a debate here and I'm going a little off script from Caden. Um, me and him have been debating all year that Troy South Alabama game. I don't think you were fully healthy in that one. I think you'd admit that. Um, if you had played at full health, would that game have been different? Um, you know, you really can't say, but 
I would hope it would have been different, though. I would have liked me to provide more for my team, so that would have helped out a lot more, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's what I've been telling Caden, so uh, it's good to hear that from uh, from your mouth. But, uh, Damian, this is the first time that this South Alabama team has appeared in a bowl game since 2016. How does it feel to be a part of breaking that drought, and what are you most excited about playing in this bowl game in the Superdome? Um, it's a great feeling. You know, I never had the opportunity, so I'm going to take advantage of it. And really, we really like, we're going to want to have fun, of course, but, you know, it'll be the first, first bowl game win in history for South Alabama. So that's something we're looking forward to do. And this Western Kentucky team that y'all are facing, they're known for their offense a lot more than their defense. But from your perspective as an offensive player, watching film of this defense, what do you expect to see out of them? What have you seen in film lately? And what do you expect from yourself and this offense to do against them in this bowl game? Um, they do a lot of different stuff. Like, I mean, they're not a bad defense at all. You know, if you go out there and let them hang in the game, they'll do it. But, I mean, I expect us just do what we normally do. Like, just if we're doing what we're supposed to do, I think it'll be a, it'd be good for us. Well, Damien, talk a little bit about that offensive line in front of you this year. Obviously, they deserve a lot of credit for the performance of you in this running back room. How good have they been this year? Oh, they've been great. They got better and better as the season went on. Like, you really can't ask for anything better. If everybody stay healthy like they're supposed to, then those guys, like, they can do anything you want them to do. And is there a is there a favorite run for you? Do you like going through that A-gap? Are you more of a guy that likes to get outside? Like, what if, if you had to choose a run that was being called – by your offensive coordinator, what would that run be? Oh, it would be mo- most definitely inside zone because those guys are front the inside. They're just tough and, like, they do what they're supposed to do. I love that. Um, hey, I wanted to ask you, we always love to kind of peel the, you know, the helmet back uh, and give our listeners a little bit of a glimpse into who you are as a player. Obviously, football is a huge part of your life, but off the field, what are some things that LaDamian Webb likes to do for fun in his downtime? Um, when I'm not around football, you know, like – I got two kids. I like to be around my kids. And if I'm not doing anything like that, then I like to fish and ride for them. Well, Damien, I've had teammates in my past that have also had children of their own on the team, and it's definitely a cool experience. And I know that means and carries a lot of weight for them. Could you just talk a little bit about how your children have inspired you and your play and your week in and week out grind into this process of, of having to be a collegiate athlete at the highest level? Um, they definitely put an edge on, you know, they make you want to work. And uh, it gives you something to look forward to. Like, you want to be successful just so you can tell them and show them that it's it's a chance of you being successful. That's great stuff. And you mentioned some of those hobbies, some of the four-wheelers and fishing stuff. And you're an Alabama kid. It sounds like you're you're one through and through. Did that have an, a, a kind of a, a, a reason why you chose South Alabama? And are there any good spots in that area if me and Noah were in, maybe even your hometown or South Alabama, if we wanted to go fishing and mudding and doing some of that kind of stuff? Um, I really haven't been fishing up here yet. So, you know, I still got to, like, Carter said he's going to show me some places, but, you know, he had to show me. So, but back home, I go to, like, Lake, Lake Harden and Lake Martin, two fishing spots that we always hit. Well, we've had Carter on the pod, and we definitely have to hold him up to, the, to his end of the bargain as far as showing you those fishing spots. Thankfully, y'all both have a whole another year to find some of those spots. But last question for you, Ladamian. We like to ask all of our student athletes this one. We want to know what's in those headphones before the game. What are some artists and songs you like to listen to before games when you go out there for kickoff? And if you had to pick one, maybe like your baseball walk-up song, your signature song, what would that be? Um, I really couldn't say, but like... Me, my favorite artist is like NBA Youngboy, and I like like country artists too, like Jason Timberlake and stuff like that. All that, like, you know, it just depends what kind of mood I'm in that day. Well, LaDamian, we definitely appreciate you taking a little bit of time. I know Kate and I are both really excited uh, to watch you guys play in the bowl game. Uh, we've really enjoyed watching South Alabama play this year and wish you guys best of luck uh, in New Orleans. Yes, sir. Thank you. 
What a great interview there with LaDamian Webb. We've been waiting all season to get him on the podcast. It finally comes about here for the bowl preview. And Caden, I really enjoyed hearing about the influence that his two young kids have had on him and how that's really his drive in playing football. Also, it was just fun to hear. He's just a down-home Alabama kid who loves fishing and mudding and, and doing all those fun things outside. Yeah, it's funny. He talked about that bumpy journey he went through to get back really home. It sounds like he had to go elsewhere, get his tape up, get whatever he had to get done at other schools and found himself back in the state of Alabama, his home state. And you can tell it's a special place to him. You can tell South Alabama is a special school to him. And it really shows with both the season he had and him being able to come back and wanting to come back for another year. When you see his play, he didn't have to do that. He could have very well hit the portal. He could have very well tried to hit the next level, but he felt like there was something special about this team. And it's very clear that he's also a special player for this team if you just cut any single game on the season. Well, certainly hoping that they're going to get a special performance out of him as we turn our attention to talking about this bowl game. Okay, in the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, it will face South Alabama versus Western Kentucky. And South Alabama, Caden, coming into this game, a four-and-a-half-point favorite right now, over-under sitting at 56. Uh, the New Orleans Bowl, a little bit of a history lesson here, was played for the first time back in 2001. Uh, this relationship with the Sunbelt Conference stretches all the way back to 2002. South Alabama is appearing in their third bowl game in program history, the first since 2016. And I thought this was interesting, and LaDamian mentioned it. They've never won a bowl game, and South Alabama will try to change that in this game on Wednesday. Uh, Western Kentucky comes in uh, their fourth bowl appearance in a row. Caden, uh, we won't go ahead and mention last year's game. Uh, the only previous meeting uh, between these two teams was a 31-24 to win for South Alabama in 2013 in Mobile. And really the story of this game, Caden, unlike some of the other bowl matchups we've had early on, the story will be offense. South Alabama comes in averaging 424 yards per game, which was fourth best in the conference during the regular season. They're top five in rushing and passing. You might be able to make the argument that they're the most balanced offense in the Sun Belt this year. Uh, they come in averaging just under 32 points a game. Meanwhile, you look at Western Kentucky, their offense might even be better, 483 yards per game, 339 of those through the air. And Caden, they're scoring 36 points a game. They've put up over 40 multiple times. This is an electric offense for Western Kentucky, but just two dynamic offenses in this game. Definitely, and they do it in different ways. We talk about South Alabama all season, and you're right. I think the balance of that team and their ability to run and throw the ball as effectively as they have all season and really keep defenses on their toes is why they've been so successful. They lean into their talent out wide. They lean into their talent in their quarterback and their running back, and I think up front, they play after play after play, handle business, and make it to where the quarterback's either going to have time to get it where he has to or the running back is going to be able to find a hole and at least break off three, four, five yards for you. So I think when you look at the balance attack of South Alabama, it's a more practical offense. It's more of the traditional offense you're used to seeing running at a high level. And I think on the flip side, when you look at Western Kentucky, very clearly going to air the ball out they make it known what they're going to do every play and it's your job to stop it and it's been very hard for teams to stop we saw troy was one of the few teams to slow it down and stop it this year which i think says a lot about the defensive pedigree in this conference compared to conference usa which we can touch on a little bit more later but i think when you're playing a team like western kentucky and i talked about it before a team that i've faced it's going to be just as mental as it is physical going against this team because there's going to be some drives where it doesn't go your way as a defensive player. You have one guy mess up. You might get someone taken over the top. You might play your best defense all the way down in one drive and still get scored on. You're going to have to have a short memory if you're a defensive player in this game and your offense 
in a way is going to have to turn into your defense because if you look at the South Alabama offense, they're going to have the opportunity to control the time of possession. They're going to have the ability to maybe sustain some long drives, even if they don't score, just get a long drive going and make Western Kentucky have to earn it once they get the ball back. I think a lot of in a lot of ways, the offense of this game will kind of turn into the defense in a certain way, depending on how much the South Alabama defensive side of the ball can hold up and vice versa with Western Kentucky, really. So obviously the offense is going to be a highlight of this game, but I think even more when you just look at the differences in style of play and the opportunity that both teams are going to have to really win this game for their teams. Caden, let's talk about an area of this game where I do feel like South Alabama has a pretty clear advantage. We heard Roddy Jones talk about it. Everybody loves a short king, and that's what LaDamian Webb uh, has been this year. He's been one of the best running backs uh, in college football this season. Let's just say it. Uh, 92 yards per game, second most in the Sunbelt Conference to Kalen Laybourne, 13 rushing touchdowns, again, second to Laybourne. Um, and then on the Western Kentucky side of the football, Kate, I thought this was interesting. Austin Reed is actually their leader in rushing touchdowns with eight on the season. Uh, you are going to see guys like Kai Robichaux and Davion Poindexter who've combined for nearly 1,000 yards of rushing offense and six touchdowns. But if you're talking about bell cow running back, South Alabama has one of the best. Yes, and with LaDamian playing in this game, it's a huge opportunity for him to really control the pace of the game with his play. You talk about it. This is going to be a game that Western Kentucky is going to want to turn into a shootout, throwing the ball around the yard and making the other team have to put pressure on them to also throw the ball and also score and keep up with them. But when you have a guy like LaDamian Webb who can just lean forward, put his head down and get you yardage and also have that ability to break a tackle, break two tackles and make that big explosive play, it's going to be a huge factor in this game. And I think we've talked about teams that have a running back by committee versus teams that have a single bell cow. This is an opportunity when you have your single bell cow running back like LaDamian Webb that he can really, really impact this game. So very much looking forward to this, him in this game, especially when you look at, I mean, just last week, they gave up 178 rushing yards to FAU team that just simply cannot run the ball as well as South Alabama. So I think South Alabama is going to be able to lean into that strength. And on the other side of the ball, Western Kentucky is interesting with their run game. They very much run the ball based off of their pass game. They're going to pass the ball first and then get a light box, keep a couple defensive players that have to overhang and defend the receivers and then run the ball from there. It's been very successful for them. Austin Reed's been very successful for them, especially in the red zone, getting into the end zone and being that extra hat, that extra rusher that you don't account for. So their offense is very dynamic. They run the ball a lot differently than South Alabama's. But nonetheless, I think if they're not able to run the ball after being so complimentary to their pass game, that could be an issue for them, especially when you look at a team like South Alabama, who does a great job at stopping the run when they, I think they only give up around 88 rush yards per game. This is a team that's very stout in the run game. So I think if they can handle business out wide and then make them even more one-dimensional of an offense, that'll be great for them. Okay, and I'm obligated to mention this next unit because our listeners have come to learn that on the Frarian Smith podcast, we shout out the big nasties as much as we can. Uh, neither team has given up many sacks this year on that offensive line. Western Kentucky second in CSA with 14 sacks allowed and South Alabama top three with just 22. These are two really strong offensive line units. But Caden, I want your thoughts on wide receivers. So let's go to the wide receivers in this game. Uh, I would dare say that this might be one of the best wide receiver matchups in all of bowl season. Jalen Wayne, Devin Voice, and Colin Lacey all boast over 700 receiving yards for South Alabama. That trio responsible for 19 receiving touchdowns. Meanwhile, you look on the other side of the ball, Malachi Corley has nearly 1,200 yards. He's sixth in Division I. Daywood Davis, Jalen Hall, both over 700 yards. That trio has 21 receiving touchdowns through the air. 
I am so excited if I haven't sold it enough yet. I'm really excited to watch this group of wide receivers in this game. So am I, and we talked about it before the podcast. This is just one of those teams where you look at the wide receiver talent on both sides of the ball. I would love to just watch them all go out on the blacktop, go out on the grass field, draft teams, maybe see some quarterbacks throwing to some different receivers even and just letting these guys have fun. If this game was a seven-on-seven, I think it could be just as entertaining as it will be in this matchup. You talk about it, though. We've talked about South Alabama's receiver talent all year. Jalen Wayne, Colin Lacey, Devin Voice, and their three-headed monster out wide. They all do a lot of things the same, and they do different things as well, and both they all really do a great job of getting open and getting yards after the catch. And I think when you look at this unit compared to the Western Kentucky unit, they're kind of hard to compare because you have guys like Malachi Corley, who's that lead. Almost you talked about <laughs> Damian Webb being the bell cow running back. This is their bell cow receiver. This guy's 90 catches on the season, over a thousand yards. That's a lot of pressure to put on one player, but then he compliments it with guys like the Wood Davis, like Jalen Hall, like Michael Madison, even their, tight end Joshua Simon gets involved a lot every guy on this Western Kentucky team can catch the ball and make some things happen with it and I think the reason they are kind of hard to compare is because you look at Western Kentucky a lot of what they do is based on their scheme their receivers do get open they make some plays for themselves but this offense does a great job as well of getting them open when they have leverage when they have the opportunity to take it over the top they get guys on different levels and guys can get open and make some things happen versus you look at the South Alabama side some bigger bodies over there I think they do a lot better of a job or it's more valued for them to get open and get separation in one-on-one coverage, find the right spots in the zone. So I think it's kind of hard to compare these units and say which one's better. It's hard to deny Western Kentucky's receiving unit when you look at the numbers they've put up. But you could argue that if South Alabama guys were on this team and were getting as many catches and many targets as these guys are getting, they could put up similar numbers. So I think you look at the receiver play in this one, it's going to be a huge impact position. You could very easily say, and it's not even an argument or debatable, whichever team's receivers make the most plays in this game will probably win it. Okay, and you know how much I love offensive football. I know you're a big defensive guy, so we have to make time in this preview to talk about the defenses for both sides. When you look at South Alabama, Kane, an argument could be made that they have been the best defense in the Sun Belt this year, but statistically probably a top two or three defense this season. They've been really good, particularly against the run, as you mentioned earlier on in this episode, just 88 yards per game. Uh, they've also been one of the best units in the Sun Belt against the pass, 12 interceptions created this year. Meanwhile, you look at Western Kentucky, Caden, and I started to look at their numbers. They're a top four defense in CUSA, but if you were to take those numbers and put them in the Sun Belt, they would actually be a bottom four defense in the Sun Belt, uh, just 381 yards per game allowed. So I think there's a clear advantage here for South Alabama. You've been looking at my notes again, Noah. I was going to bring that one up. What a good topic and what a good thing that we're both going to harp on here. Now, you look at Western Kentucky. Look, they're the second best defense in Conference USA. That looks great on paper. Congratulations. Great job doing your best to stop these Conference USA offenses that throw the ball everywhere, that put up a bunch of points. But you talked about it. These guys are giving up 23.5 points per game. That would rank sixth in the Sunbelt Conference. That wouldn't even be close. That's right there with Southern Miss, who we know has a good defense, but they don't get the help they get from their offense like Western Kentucky gets. And same thing with even rushing the passer. These guys have 28 sacks in the conference. They're the second-best team and they would be behind they'd be behind six other teams in this conference they'd be tied with South Alabama and tied with App State so I think when you look at this Western Kentucky defense is it a good unit yes they have some talent they only have one all-conference player I believe though when you look at what they're doing it's their linebacker and I think that he's the one that's leading them in sacks he's the one that's really running after the ball and getting after it the most but I think when you look at an entire unit This team has some vulnerabilities on the defensive side of the ball. I think South Alabama has a huge edge in this one. And you look at 
Western Kentucky's defense. I mean, they were a team that just went to overtime with FAU, and that was because their defense was giving up explosive plays and was not holding up their end of the bargain. So I think that's going to be something they're going to have to overcome. They're playing a balanced offensive attack like we talked about that's very dangerous. And I think if you are South Alabama, though, you might be the better defensive unit in this game, but there's just a lot more pressure on you heading into this game going against a prolific offense who's one of the top five in the country throwing the ball. And I think if you're South Alabama's defense, you have strength up front, you have strength in the secondary. The biggest question is going to be which one of those can you lean on more? Because if you play a team like Western Kentucky, you decide to rush three guys and drop everybody into coverage. That could be a problem for you if you give the quarterback too much time to really pick apart your defense and find the areas in the zone. Or you could rush a bunch of guys, try to get pressure on the quarterback. And if that doesn't work out for you, now you're letting receivers who got a thousand yards on the season, 800 yards on the season, be vulnerable to your defensive backs who now have to stay in coverage possibly a little bit longer. So I think if you're South Alabama's defense, you kind of have to find out what's going to work best for you in this game, lean into that strength and get off the field as many times as you can and get the ball back to your offense. And if you're on the other side, if you're Western Kentucky's defense, you have to do your best to not lose your the team, <laughs> lose the game for your team. Your team's going to put up points. That's what they do week in and week out. And I think if you can just hold up your end of the bargain, hold a team to less than 25, less than 30, less than 40. That's really your job if you're this team in this game. So they're just going to have to hold up on their end. They have a lot of different people to stop when you look at the backfield out wide and with Carter Bradley. And I think it's going to be a very interesting game watching both of these defenses try to kind of keep up with the offenses in this one, I think. Gosh, I hope these defenses aren't able to slow each other down. To me, that over-under at 56 might be the best bet on the weekend in college football. I feel like that's going down. We might see 100 points in this game. But, Kane, you talked a little bit about the front sevens there. The linebacker, Jaquez Evans, leads this team for Western Kentucky with eight sacks. They have 28 sacks this year created. Uh, Also look at Derek Smith uh, at the linebacker role. And then you switch sides of the ball. Uh, Jamie Sheriff leads South Alabama with six sacks. Three players with four or more sacks. Then you add in guys like Trey Kaiser, James Miller, some all-conference selections at the linebacker core, 134 tackles, 16 and a half TFLs, four and a half sacks this year. This is a loaded front seven for South Alabama. They're loaded up front, and I think in a game like this, it's going to be important for them to be gaps on and do what they do all season. It's going to be important for them to stop the run, but I think they're going to have a little bit of a different responsibility in this one and kind of have to really avoid the troubles that we saw when they played Georgia Southern with zone coverage, playing good coverage underneath, getting to the quarterback. Your upfront guys are going to be tested in different ways when they have to play a team that has an offensive attack like this. And I think in this game, it might not necessarily cater to the strengths of what they've been doing all season, but this defense is very capable of playing good coverage underneath. If you need an outside linebacker to play man coverage on a tight end, they're just going to have to be on all their P's and Q's mentally and then let their what they've been doing all season physically come from behind it. So I'm excited to watch this team have to kind of be a little bit different in this one. They're not going to be able to play downhill and stop the run and do that as well as we've seen them do all season. They're going to have to play some good coverage. They're going to have to get some pressure on the quarterback when they can and ultimately probably get some turnovers as well when you look at being able to sway momentum and swing things in this game. Okay, and here's an opportunity for you to become Professor Smith. You are a player that played against this Western Kentucky defense a year ago, and I want to talk about the secondaries in this game. Caden, if you had a message right now to these South Alabama secondary players after experiencing this Western Kentucky offensive attack last year, what would that message be to that that secondary for the Jags? Well, my first message would be for them to send a message to their own guys up front and tell them, listen, when you're pass rushing, stay disciplined and try to get back there to help us out as much as you can. If you have a quarterback in this kind of system who's able to take his time, 
have four or five seconds back there, go through all his progressions and reads, be able to deliver the ball on target. That's going to be a very bad news for your secondary. I think the more pressure they can get up front, the better it will be. And then overall, for a secondary playing an air raid attack, you have to be disciplined and you have to be good mentally as far as having a short memory. This team is going to get some balls thrown across the middle on the bubble screens. Just try to defend the deep shot, but they are going to have times and drives and plays where they pick you apart a little bit with their scheme. You have to have a short memory and go into the next play ready to play and just really be disciplined. They're going to have some razzle-dazzle, some eye candy. They're going to do some fake jet sweep motions, actually give jet sweep motions, run reverses, run bubble screens, and they have passes off of all that stuff. So everyone on the back end just really has to be on their P's and Q's. Don't let anybody get behind you deep. And I think it could be a very good game for South Alabama if they're secondary, who we highly regard and have spoken very highly of all season with guys like Ian Bakes, like Jaden Voice, and like Daryl Luther. If those guys can just play their game, don't give up any mental errors and just stay on top of everything and keep everything in front of them, could be a game where we maybe don't see Western Kentucky score 40 points. Hey, Kane, I thought we might get through an entire episode without you mentioning your favorite safety, Yam Banks. I know you really like his play. Jaden Voison also on the back end. Darrell Luter out wide. Also watch out for Caleb Oliver and Khalif Kalasi. Uh, five sacks, five interceptions for those cornerbacks uh, for Western Kentucky. Kane, the last thing really on this matchup in a game like this, you always take a look, a glimpse at the kickers. Uh, you would expect to see them be active in this game in both teams' sports. Uh, pretty good kickers. Diego Guajardo, top six in the MCAA in field goal percentage this year. Meanwhile, on Western Kentucky side, Braden Narvison is top 20 in points. And Kane, you never know, but I feel like this game is going to be a high scoring affair. And maybe one of these kickers is called upon to win a game towards the end. It's a great point, Noah. Points don't come for free for a lot of teams, but for both of these teams, they've kind of gotten them for free at certain times during the season. And I think when you are facing a team that might have as much firepower as you have on both sides of the ball, the kicking game can be huge in this one. I think if it is a close game down the stretch, maybe if South Alabama's defense gets some stops, like we expect them to being the great defense that they are a couple of times, Western Kentucky might have to lean on their kicker to get some points on the board for them. And vice versa with Diego. He's proven that he's a clutch kicker, that he can show up in a big moment and make a field goal for you. So if it does come down to that, I feel like his team, his coaching staff has full trust in him to show up in those big moments. But in games like this, when getting into the end zone is at a premium, if you can get close enough to maybe get some points on the board, not through the end zone, I think both of the kickers can have a big impact in this game. Well, it's going to be an exciting bowl game on Wednesday between South Alabama and Western Kentucky. That will do it for our RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl preview episode on the Frarian Smith podcast. We'd like to say a special thank you to ESPN's Roddy Jones, South Alabama running back LaDamian Webb, and Associate Director Kevin Beasley for helping make this episode possible. Before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday where we'll preview the upcoming Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl between Louisiana and Houston that will take place on December 23rd in Shreveport, Louisiana. Thanks so much for listening. We both continue to enjoy these episodes of the Frary and Smith podcast, and we certainly hope you are too. If you did, take a moment and subscribe to the show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify so that you never miss an episode. Also, consider leaving us a review if you like today's show. Take a moment, tell us what you liked by leaving a quick review on Apple Podcasts or by leaving a five-star rating on Spotify. Finally, if you still haven't, follow the show on Twitter at Prairie Smith for all the latest Sunbelt football news and notes. You won't regret it. Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs>